Friends, good morning. It is once again my privilege to welcome you to our time of worship. Uh, let me remind you that as you came in or made the transition from the reading session, you should have received a worship folder. If you did not, um, then you can receive one back in the back from Baylor students who are passing them out. Um, if you've looked at your worship folder, and if you've looked up front here, you may notice that today we are celebrating in communion together. Uh, this is the table of the Lord, which means that all people are welcome here at this table. Uh, so later in the service, as you have an opportunity to come forward, know that you're welcome. Uh, what will happen logistically is we will have four stations. There will be a station here, one in the middle, and one over here. And there will also be one in the back. Uh, students will be serving communion. So when the time comes, you'll be asked to come forward to receive the bread and the cup. And um, if some of you want to go to the back, that's fine. If some of you need gluten-free station, there's a gluten-free station available on the back of what is my left or your right side of the chapel. I'm going to violate a core principle in my worship leadership philosophy here at the beginning. Uh, by acknowledging just a few people uh, who have helped immensely with worship this week. And the first group is um, the group of Baylor students and musicians that you have seen behind me. You saw many of them yesterday. They participated in about a two and a half hour rehearsal on Monday evening. And yesterday and today they were here at 6.30 um, for about an hour long rehearsal. And that's at the end of very long days. Uh, so I'm very grateful to all the work uh, the Baylor students and musicians have put into um, helping bring these worship services to life. And I also would be remiss if I didn't say something about the Baylor church music faculty, uh, Randall Bradley and David Music and Terry York, who um, not only provide training for these students, uh, but did that for myself. And I can tell you from firsthand experience that on a regular basis, from August to May, and even in the summer months, that the church music faculty at Baylor consistently challenges its students in provocative conversations on philosophy of worship, and in the midst of that, gives their students the tools and the skills that they need to lead worship and ultimately to serve the church. And they model all of that so well by servant leadership, and um, I'm a first-hand recipient of that as are many of the students you see here and other students who are not represented in this room. There's a famous passage that many of you have likely heard or maybe even quoted yourself by a woman named Annie Dillard. Uh, in Teaching Tones, Stones to Talk, Annie Dillard writes this, It is madness to wear ladies' hats and straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews, for the sleeping God may wake someday and take offense, or the waking God may draw us out to that place from which we can never return. This morning's opening hymn is a dangerous one to sing, because this morning's opening hymn invites the sleeping God to wake. This, morning, this morning's opening hymn invites the waking God to draw us out into new territory, and this morning's opening hymn invites us, the household of faith, to follow Christ out into that place from which we may never be able to return. God is present with us this morning. The question is, are we present to God? And are we willing to go and journey with God into that place from which we may not ever be able to return? I hope so, because our lives depend on it. Our churches depend on it. And the world depends on it. 
Come, great God of all the ages, would you stand as we sing this dangerous
God, Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. And blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Let us pray.
God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be cleansed of all your pollution. I will cleanse you of all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your stony heart from your body and replace it with one, a living one. And I will give you a new spirit so that you may walk according to my regulations and carefully observe my case laws. Then you will live in the land that I gave to your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God.
A reading from 1 Peter 1. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of these things that are now being told you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Sneakers for the summer. And day after day, Douglas Spalding 
would go to the shop window and he would stand at the glass and he would peer in at the Lightfoot tin shoes and the advertisement that said they were like menthol on your feet. <laughs> The store was run, operated, owned by a crotchety old man named Mr. Sanderson. Are you a crotchety old man? Don't be any longer. The world's got enough of them. But he was crotchety, and he was watching this boy watch his shoes. So he got aggravated. And one day he confronted him, and he said, I know what you want. You want a pair of these shoes, and you want them on credit. And a conversation started between the boy and the old man. And somewhere during the conversation, this little boy asked the old shoe shop owner a question. He said, can you remember when was the last time you yourself wore a pair of Lightfoot sneakers, sir? Mr. Sanderson's face darkened. Oh, 10, 20, say 30 years ago, why? Mr. Sanderson, don't you think you owe it to your customers, sir, to at least try the tennis shoes you sell just for a minute so you know how they feel? People forget if they don't keep testing things. United Cigar Store Man smokes cigars, don't he? Candy Store Man samples his own stuff, I should think. You may have noticed, said the old man. I'm wearing shoes. But not sneakers, sir. How are you going to sell sneakers unless you can rave about them? And how are you going to rave about them unless you know them? It would be cheap to compare what we do to selling sneakers. But I have no pride, so I'll risk cheap. <laughs> Yesterday, we talked about worship and what is worship. Worship. Worship in Babylon. Worship in Babylon is deviant artwork. It's the deviant art that breaks, that breaks the bond of that narcotic pagan normalcy that just grips us and turns us into less than human. And I would suggest to you today that leading worship in Babylon is the deviant art of raving, raving about the triune God that we know experientially. Knowing, tasting, seeing, being changed by that God and prompting other souls just like ourselves to taste, to sample, to test, and to see, to rise moment by moment with menthol on our feet. We have a number of examples of people in our lives who live this way. People who know and out of that deep place of knowing have helped us taste God. You can name them. You see their faces.
For many people, I would be willing to wager that you have been that type of person from time to time. And the Bible, the old book we we, we traffic in this week, the Bible's got wonderful examples of these raving people, these raving deviant artists who know and make known by the power of the Holy Spirit. The prophets were, were these types of folk. The prophets and the apostles and our, our key text today, 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12, Peter looks at, at the prophets, those raving ones, and in his little, his little description of them, just a few verses, we have traits, we have ways, attitudes, and actions that all of us need to tuck into our lives and sharpen on a regular basis so that we will be effective in leading people to worship in Babylon. What were the prophets like? What did they do? Well, they were diligent souls. Peter said they searched intently with the greatest care. What a sense. John Calvin said they had a spirit of inquiry. The prophets were the type of people who read and reread and read again, who wrote and rewrote and wrote again, who tugged at their eyelashes, who looked at the stars, who picked up dirt in their hands and watched that dirt sift through their fingers. They pondered and they ruminated and they searched intently. I don't know about you, but that sounds like hard work. I have a poet friend. She's elderly now. She lives in a, in a home for retired teachers. And I asked her recently, are you still writing it? She said, heavens no, son, writing is hard work. <laughs> Being a prophet, it's hard work. There's no such thing as lazy prophets. So if you want to lead people in worship, in this Babylon that we inhabit, you just got to cast lazy aside. I know that's not a nice reminder, but it needs to be said. You know, when I first started out as a pastor, I called my father about some little trifling issue. It was going on in the church. My dad ran a construction company for years. His hobby was work. And, uh, and I wanted some sympathy from my dad because he's been my guy for all these years. And I wanted him to talk about how terrible those people were. The expectations are awful. You know, you just need some people in your life that'll give you the sugar, right? My dad's never been that guy. <laughs> Giving me the meat and bread and water. And, uh, and Dad said, Well, I'm going to say this. You used to you could get away saying things on seminary, kids saying churches, but now all this stuff is recorded. <laughs> <laughs> I just do it like this. Dad said, Well, son, it's at least work. Friend, <laughs> what I got to do every day was so much more than work. And then he
care. They're also open. There was a sense of openness to these prophets. We read, it was revealed to them. Now that we like. Give us some revelation. Just, just tell us stuff, God. They were open to revelation from God. They recognized, as my Episcopal priest friend Chuck says, that they had an invisible friend and co-worker. They were open to the rhythms of the spirit, the whispers that came from the future. One of my favorite books on preaching is written by Helen Tilakay on Spurgeon. These two guys could have been even more different, but, but the old German, old German scholar like Spurgeon that can't take their soul to English preacher. He said, Spurgeon's greatest gift was not his tongue, but his ear. He said, Spurgeon had a charismatic ear. He could hear Say, sign me up for that. I like that. That'd be helpful. Friends, I can't tell you how to acquire that. You can't be forced. You can't buy it. You've got to learn the lesson about that in the New Testament. But we certainly can't hinder the rhythms of the Spirit in our life. We can grieve and quench the Spirit of God through our attitudes and our actions. We can edge God out. By being important and busy. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. And there, we're given the gift of these big old loafing, sad brain waves. The ones that overcome the grocery getting waves that are necessary to pay the power bill. And there, near the heart of God, things are revealed to us. Don't ever get so important that you try to become God. There was a generosity to these prophets. Listen to these words. They were not serving themselves, but you. Have you known a self-serving prophet? It's a false prophet. There was a generosity in the heart of these proclaimers of the mystery. A passage of scripture that I linger over often from Paul's writings in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5 and 15. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves, your slaves, for Jesus' sake. Yes, everything is for your sake so that grace, as it extends to more and more people, may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. We're called to be generous, loving people because God has been so scandalously generous toward us. And there's a great mystery here. This type of lifestyle, a lifestyle that recognizes that ministry is about Him and them, that type of lifestyle is far from life-denying. In fact, it is the most life-affirming, happy course that we can chase after. The most miserable people I know are the ones that grasp the hardest. Him and them, generosity, allows us to live pleasantly in a hard way. 
humility. The language that Peter uses to describe these prophets and those who would preach through the power of God, their message was that the Spirit of Christ was in them. The Spirit of Christ. He said those who proclaimed the message of the gospel, that they proclaimed it by the Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. They weren't out there on their own making a name. They were walking with God and serving the Spirit of Jesus. Sat down to take up residence in their lives. Philippians, Paul pleads for the help of the Spirit of Jesus. Prophets, for all their personality, don't swagger. They plead. They plead all sacred things like the blood of the Lamb and help from the Spirit of Jesus. I want to ask you if you're humble, you can betray your humility. I'll ask you if you plead for help in doing so. You befriend the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And oh, what a friend to sinners like me. And the final trait for consideration this morning is a deep sense of wonder. Even the angels long to look into these things. You've read it so many times that it's escaped you. Even the angels long with a burning passion to handle the things we get to handle. Here's a little diagnostic test for you. Do you get to do things or have you got to do things? I've got to. That's so mundane and boring. Just for a moment and pause. And think about the things we get to do. The kind of things that make angels envious. We sing the songs, the hymns, the spiritual songs concerning the great salvation of our God in Christ. We teach these songs to a broken humanity. The focus of God's affection. We get to speak the wonderful words of life. We bury the dead in the same way that a farmer plants wheat. Now that's special. We bless little babies, we marry. We show up from the future and command breath to enter dry bones. We get to do all this and more. How marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. We break common bread. We pour wine. And behold, friends, the Spirit of Jesus is loose among us. Jesus gave us the river and the table because in the face of the mystery, words failed. So let us now come, friends. Let us come and eat and break and pour and drink.
May the meal of our Lord Jesus Christ feed our hearts and nourish us. Empower us for all we get to do. And after all, we get to be deeply artists in Babylon for the glory of God and for the good of the world. Holy God, we thank you for your table that feeds us. We come in faith. We come in hope. We come in love with you. Having been loved by you. This is our prayer in the strong name of the Trinity. And we say together boldly.
The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. We remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of our sins. Why do we drink the cup? The cup for which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. We remember and believe that the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. As we partake in the bread and the cup, we proclaim the mystery of our faith.
express my deepest gratitude to those of us who've led in worship, Dr. Eric Mathis and his team of students, uh, Tim Allen and others. Thank you so much for the uh, wonderful way in which you've inspired our personal worship and which you have impacted the worship that we will lead when we go back home. Thank you so much for this wonderful gift. Just a few brief announcements. This, after, this evening at 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, not 7.30, in this room there will be a youth choir concert by Southwest uh, Youth Q Youth Corral. I hope that you'll be here to be supportive of these young people and to uh, appreciate and be a part of the music that they will lead us in. I encourage you again to continue uh, your evaluation process today at the lunch. There will be evaluation sheets on your table, and that's a good time to take a few moments to uh, give us some feedback. Also, I noticed that several of you tagged yourself or your friends on Facebook. I encourage you to go there and find some great photos and find yourself in those photos and uh, to do that. Uh, Clayton is going to talk to us a bit more about our offering, and then I'm going to give you some directions for lunch. Thanks, Randall. I've been so blessed this week to have met some of you. I've met some really humble and uh, genuine people who are just really strong practitioners in, in ministry uh, and serving the Lord. So that's really blessed by meeting you guys. Uh, I've uh, gotten to hear some of your stories and really been, been uh, just impacted by, by your life and, and uh, your hearts. Um, this week, uh, we've had a pretty wonderful week, would you say? We've had, uh, got free bananas in the lobby, and we've had lots of music, and we've had a good time. Uh, but uh, as, as we prepare uh, for, for this trip to Malaysia uh, next year, we, we're, we're really uh, anticipating a really wonderful group and to impact the lives of those around us with our students even more than we ever have. Right now, we have just over $500. And our goal is to uh, raise uh, enough funds to provide uh, two scholarships for students. So, uh, as Randall and I have been thinking, we were typically looking around the figure of $5,000 for, for two students to go and uh, dramatically impact the lives of others around them. Uh, so, if you feel led to give to that, uh, please feel free to leave, uh, leave your generous donations in the bucket, or you can come and find me, and I'd love to, to hear your story and, and talk with you. Thank you so much. To get to lunch, all you're going to do in a few moments is you're going to just exit out the back, go out the side door, and then there are going to be some students out there who will lead the processional uh, across to the Cashin fifth floor. It'll be quite the processional. It'll take us a couple of moments to get there, but uh, some of you have been there before, but you're just going to go out. Don't even worry about where it is. Just follow the path. Now, behind, at the end, there's going to be some people to come along and pick up the stragglers and people that look like they're lost. So, uh, if, you're, if you believe you get lost, just stay close to this street up here and we can find you. But if you wander too far, uh, we might not find you in the heat and uh, that would be difficult for you. So, uh, we would all be sad about that. So, don't get lost. Stay where we can find you. We will immediately go into a buffet line as soon as you get there. Don't wait for anything. Uh, this will be a meal where we will pray after we have taken the food. So don't wait for a prayer. Just jump right in and we will move along quickly. Thank you so much. It's a great honor to have you here. And um, thanks for all that you're doing to contribute to this conference. Let's now hear our, our dismissal.